0: Okay. Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Sallallahu wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala So we left off in this work of the wise sayings of Imam Junaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And uh, first of all, before I forget, we don't have any session next Sunday. Okay, no session next Sunday, Thanksgiving break or whatever you want to call it, whatever makes you happy, inshallah. <laughs> no session next Sunday, inshallah. Uh, people take their long weekend, do whatever you need to do, inshallah. So, uh, we probably have like maybe two, three more sessions in this text. We'll finish probably in two or three more sessions, inshallah. So here's where we left off. Abu Qasim, Amin. as a reminder, these are the statements of Imam and Junaid, also called Abu Qasim, also referred to as Junaid al-Salik, Junaid the Wayfarer. And Imam and Junaid is considered like the Imam of Islamic spirituality. The way that the uh Ibn Hasan al Ashari and Abu Mansur al-Maturidi are the Imams of Aqidah and Imam Ahmed. And Abu Hanifa al-Malik al and Ahmad ibn Hanbalah, the Imams of Fiqh And Al-Junaid is the Imam of Ihsan So this work is just a collection of some of his sayings From different books and stuff and it puts it together um, So here's the first one Al-Hikaayatu Jundun min junuri Allahi <laughs> ta'ala biha Quloobul muridin so Abu Qasim, he said, that the stories, hikayat, the stories are soldiers from the soldiers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by which the hearts of those who are seeking God are made firm, are made stronger And then he quoted the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says And we give you the stories of each of them uh, From the stories of the messengers So that we can Make your heart firm So that we can make your heart firm Uh, So that we can make your heart firm Okay And um, So this verse is speaking to who? The verse is speaking to who? We give you these stories so that we can make your heart firm. Who is it speaking to? Huh? The Prophet Sallallahu were The Prophet were So this is first of all, like that's something to think about, right? So the Prophet is going through his life, especially in the in both periods, the Mecca period, the Medina period, there's a significant Levels of hardship in his life And he's going through all kinds of different difficulties And people are disbelieving him and rejecting him And his friends and family members are being attacked And beaten and harmed and all of this kind of stuff And Allah is saying We give you the stories of all of these messengers who came before And in doing so we or فؤاد. That we give this to you so that we can make your heart firm We give this to you so we can make your heart firm so the Prophet and them is receiving these stories Of course, us by extension, we receive not only those stories But the story of the Prophet himself, وسلم, That he went through all of these things And we give you these stories so we can make your heart full Imam Abu Hanifa, he said, Abu Hanifa, the faqih right? He said that the stories of the righteous people are more beloved to me than most fiqh Most of the law He's, he's, that's what he does, is the law, right? And he says, the stories of the righteous people is more beloved to me uh, than much, much of the law. Uh, and because that's like, these are the stories of the people who came before us. These are the people who, they're our example, they're the ones that we look to, and so on. Uh, this issue is, I think, very, very important. And, uh, you know, it's like the companions of the Prophet them. It said that they used to teach their children the stories of the battles of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The way that they would teach them the verses from the Qur'an So not only are they teaching their kids, you know, the verses from the Qur'an And this means this and that means that and so on But they're telling them these stories that look like the people that you see They were in these battles, this happened to them and that happened to them and This is how they stayed firm and this is what they did And this is how their Iman was, was really strengthened and so on and so forth And, uh, and this is really uh, essential What's nice about it in that generation is that it's immediate for them, right? And that's also something that's important for us, is that not only should we... uh, How should I say? Not only should we familiarize ourselves with the stories of people who came a thousand years ago, but it's also good to know the stories of people who have lived in our times, you know, people who have lived in our times, people who maybe are one generation before, two generations before, And uh, this, you know, I I feel like people have been saying this generation upon generation, that there's a generation gap and they don't know about this kind of stuff, but I feel like it's even worse now. Um, To the extent, for example, that like, I I tried to show Dave Chappelle's monologue from Saturday Night Live, you know, I tried to show it to some of my students in uh, ninth grade, 10th grade, stuff like that. They didn't get any of it. It was really like, it took me a full day to recover. Uh, I'm really serious like I was I was really sad Subhanallah like it's you don't have to be into the same kind of humor and stuff like that but what's like they really didn't get any of it like I had to stop things and explain like do you know what he's talking about right now he's talking about the Vietnam War like do you guys know what happened in the Vietnam War no we don't know I'm like oh my god <laughs> like, do you know anything <laughs> and then they think I'm just making fun of them and stuff I'm like no you just there's they didn't get it you know SubhanAllah. So, this idea of having this connectedness to that which came before us is really essential. So, to know, like, okay, we're in Southern California right now, we're in Orange County. There's, I don't know how many misajid in Orange County. Who, which ones were the first misajid? Who are the people that were here? Who are the people, you know? Like, Dr. Muzamman was there from the beginning up to now, right? Yep. MashaAllah, Allah preserved him. Some of the other people were there and they've maybe passed on, you know? Dr. and the Hatut brothers, Allah and many others, Dr. Ahmed Saqil, Rahimahullah. these were great people who really sacrificed a lot so that we could try to have this thing that we have now in terms of community and community spaces and being able to be together and have books and all this kind of stuff. So kind of knowing that history is really, really important to know like, okay, this person came, that person came. And when we do that, then it makes us stronger, right? Like I'm not just here by myself There's this experience that I have And I live in Orange And this is my experience, you know But no, there's actually a lot more to this There's all these people and there's all these experiences and, and you know I've seen actually in some families where mashallah, we have a lot of religious families, you know But I've noticed something in some families where mashallah, the kids are very strong Is that their parents told them a lot of stories of people they knew Or stuff that happened to them in their own lives you know like i was doing this and then i went to work and i had to be i had to choose this i had to be honest people were trying to make me to be choose something that was dishonest and then i lost my job for it and i had to work two jobs after that and it was really hard on all of us but you don't give up on what you believe like there's a very much you know this idea of make the thing come to life and like, make it real in front of the people so uh al juneid he's saying that these stories of the righteous people stories of the righteous people are Soldiers from the soldiers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By which the hearts of those who seek Allah Are made stronger uh, So you know, may Allah help us to do better with this Next one is about Tawbah It's about Tawbah, asking Allah's forgiveness It's a really interesting story He says He <laughs> Sidi was basically Junaid Shaykh And it's also his uncle If I'm not mistaken it's his uncle and he's a Shaykh He's one of these great people also So he says, I came upon I entered one day upon Sidi, And I saw that he was upset about something So I said to him Oh Shaykh I see that you're upset about something So he said to him Just now someone A young person came in SubhanAllah This is literally a young person Look at this question A young person came in to Sari And asked him what is the reality Of asking Allah's forgiveness What is the reality of Tawbah And Sari said to him The reality of Tawbah As far as you guys understand Is that it means That you don't forget That which caused you To make the Tawbah in the first place Okay. So he's addressing the young guy He says as far as you guys talk about it it means that you don't forget, you know, why you... Wh- what was the mistake you made, right? So the kid, the shab, said to him, no, that's not what it is for us. <laughs> it's really amazing, actually. You know, like, again, these are... these are. I mean, these are, like, the most central figures in all of Islamic history when it comes to spirituality, right? So you have this story of a young person coming, saying, what's this Toga? He says, as far as I know, he gives him an answer. He's like, actually, that's not what it is. And he says, okay, so... He says, "What is it then? What do you guys consider it to be then?" Okay, it literally says Andekum. So I don't know who that "kum" is, but I'm assuming it's like I don't know young people who care about religion, you know. So how do you guys understand? It's like they're having this back and forth. Right? As far as you guys understand, he said, "Well, that's not what we think. What do you think?" He says, "What we think is that we do not remember. We do not remember that which caused us to have Toba in the first place. That's what Toba is for us." Okay, so you're understanding what it is? He said, what is it? He said, for you guys, it's that you don't forget why you are asking for forgiveness. He said, no, that's not what we think. He said, what do you think? He said, it is that we completely forget the reason that caused us to ask for forgiveness. So, Sari is telling this to Junaid, right? And then he he tells him that, and then he says, so I'm just sitting here thinking about it. It's really amazing, actually, right? Like, so this is like this great person, he, he says, I'm just sitting here thinking about now, what this young person just said to me. Right? I'm just like, hmm, I think about that. So then look what he says after that. Then he says to Junaid, Junaid responds, and he says, it's a great thing the kid said. Like what he said is actually, it's good, you know. So Sari says to him, Junaid, what does this mean? So look, like now, not only is he taking benefit from this young person who came and talked to him and he's thinking about it and stuff But he's still sitting and he's thinking about it, he's contemplating about it And his student comes He tells him, Sheikh, you seem upset, what's wrong? He tells him what happened Then he tells him it's a good thing He says, so what does it mean? You tell me what it means He's asking his student, right? To explain to me, I don't understand, I don't get this, what does it mean? So Junaid said to him, ya Ustad إِذَا أَكُنتُ مَعَكَ fi hal ونا ونقلتني من حال الجفاف ونقلتني من حال الجفاف إلى حال الصفاء. I see parental movement. Okay. Alhamdulillah Compartmentalize. So he says, if I was with you. And he makes this kind of comparison between a state of Jaffa versus a state of safat. So Jaffa is like dryness and safat is purity. So he says if I'm with you and you take me from this state of dryness to this state of purity. And then all I do is remember the state of dryness that I was in before. Then that's a type of heedlessness on my part. He gave him an example, he said, look at this, look, think about it. He said, so what is he saying? He's saying, so when we make a mistake with Allah, and we make Tawbah from that mistake, if we were to keep remembering the mistake, instead of remembering that we return to Allah, then that's a heedlessness on our behalf. We should actually be thinking about the sight now alhamdulillah, we're back with Allah. We fixed it, we're back with Allah, right? And that's actually in some of the later books and stuff, they'll talk about it, and they'll say that, in the beginning of Tawbah, in the beginning of Tawbah, One has uh, a level of um, uh, regret over what they did And in the end of Tawbah, they forget what they did in the first place The regret is there, these are the person to ask for forgiveness After they ask for forgiveness, they did everything they were supposed to do, they fixed the situation After that, we move on We don't sit and like be with this all the time, never ending, you know Just beating ourselves up over the issue that we have Then he says, this one is on rida, on contentment. So someone came to Junaid and asked him about contentment. He told him, you asked about a good life and ease of, like, uh, the eye. Remember we talked about that before? And that is for the one who's content with what Allah has given them. And he said, some of the people of knowledge, they said that the most easiest life is for the one who's pleased with Allah. The most easiest life is for the one who's pleased with Allah. The one that has the easiest life, or like the the life that's the most, like, yeah, it's easiest. Like you know, it's the one who they're pleased with everything that Allah gives them. Whatever the good comes, they're pleased with it. Whatever situation it is, they're pleased with it. They're the other ones that have the best life. This one is kind of difficult. <laughs> Let's see what he says. He says, and contentment is, استقبال وانتظار ما لم ينزل منه بالتفكير والاعتبار He says, it is to react to whatever comes to the person from difficulties and hardships, to react to whatever comes with strength and happiness, in a sense, like, you know, they're bishop, like they're uh, some level of, like, they don't just become really, like, sour-faced. Do we use that in English? Uh, they don't become like Pishinitosh about everything. They don't become sour forehead about everything. It's a really good Farsi expression. You know, like when something, like you taste something bitter, they become like, they just live like that. They don't live like that. says they go through whatever difficulty comes to them, and they stand up and they meet it with whatever strength they have, and they deal with it head on. And then whatever's coming next, they wait and they reflect and they think. You know, they stay in a state of reflection. And that's because they believe truly that whatever Allah gives them, that He is truly the best of cre- best of makers and doers. And He is more merciful to them. And He is more knowing of them than even what they know for themselves. He knows better situation. It's very difficult, right? So, فَإِذَا نَزَلَ لَمْ وَكَانَ ذَٰلِكَ ذَٰلِكَ الْفِعَلُ مِنْ So when something happens, they don't dislike it Because they know that it's the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And they think that whatever Allah wills is good It's the will of Allah and whatever Allah wills is good He says فَإِنْ عَدَّ مَنَزْلَ بِهِ إِحْسَانٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فَقَدْ ردي So, if they consider that whatever comes to them, from whatever comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they consider whatever it is to be good, then they are someone who's truly content. It's difficult. It's difficult. Especially when difficult things happen. It's one thing to be content with, like, I don't know. I wanted a house with four bed and three bath, three and a half bath, and I only got four bed and three bath. But I'm content, Allah. You know, it's like very different than real difficulties when people go through them, right? And sometimes people, you know, many of us, we know this, and uh, one of the things we realized in, in chaplaincy when we used to go to college campuses and sit with the students and stuff was that a lot of people are going through a lot of things. That very few people have any idea about You know, they're going Some people are going through really difficult things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us And help them And uh, facilitate all of our Difficulties and affairs, inshallah and, But we try to have a Contentment with it It's not necessarily like joy But it's contentment right? and There's a difference It's not like something really hard Happens to the person and they're celebrating It's not the point the point is that they recognize that this came from Allah And I don't even, sometimes we don't even know how to make sense of it, right? Like sometimes it's very difficult uh, and, and part of what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam teaches us And part of what many of the Prophets In their du'as, quote unquote, in the Qur'an teach us Is that You can still turn to Allah Without actually You know, like after If the Prophet them says like Ya Allah, what has happened? You know, have you turned me over to an enemy who's not going to be merciful to me? Are you going to do this and this and this? He says, but Allah, if you are pleased with me, if you're not upset with me, like whatever's happening to me, if it's not happening to me, Allah, because you're mad at me, then I'm fine with it, whatever it is. It's not saying that he's like, oh, I get it, you know, I had to go through this situation where I went to this town and people stoned me. And like, it's not that. It's just saying, Allah, you're Allah. And whatever it is, it's with you, Allah. Right? And some of the, like, a lot of the calls that these prophets made in the Qur'an to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are very similar so like you know when Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam comes you know he, he's out, of, he's in his home, he kills a person by accident he has to leave, he's fleeing as a refugee, he's going to a new land he doesn't know what to do, he gets to this place he helps these uh, he helps these women like the first thing he does he helps someone else right, even still in all of his difficulties, the first thing he does he helps someone else he says, رَبِّ إِنِّي لِمَا أَنزَلْتَ إِلَيَّ مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَقْخِرٍ He says, Allah, whatever good you can give me, I need it. So basically, his dua, right? It's not it's it's more of like a, you know, like I'm in front of you, Allah. Whatever you can give me, Allah, I'll take it. رَبِّ إِنَّهُ... What is it? إِنَّهُ مَسَّنِيَ دُرُّ وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الْرَاحِمِينَ Allah, you know, some harm has come to me. Sayyidina... Uh, Ayyub, right? Isn't that Ayyub's du'a? That some harm has come to me and you are the most merciful of those who have mercy. It's complete turnover, right? So it's not always that like, we can make sense of it. It's just... We don't have anything but you, Allah. The next one he says on Zulad, which is like asceticism or it's a weird translation, but it's, I guess it's the best we have. Zuhud says, he, he defines it. He says, It's. So he says basically, it is to. You don't have something, you know, and it's not in your heart either. It's to empty the heart from wanting these things. And then to not think much of this world You know Like the things of this world You don't think much of the things of this world And to erase their The footprint so to speak Of those things from the person's heart you know, It's just to Be completely with Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala The next one is uh, Al-Junaid Someone came to him And he asked him to make dua for him so he said the following Okay, so I don't really have much comment on it But other than that it's a really nice du'a So I felt that we could read the du'a And intend that it's for all of us inshallah, And we can say amin. He said He said the following in the du'a Jama'Allahu Allahu wa wala shattata sirrak He said may Allah bring your ambitions together You know, focus them and may He not disperse your inner secret Like basically uh, you know, keep you focused May Allah keep you focused on what really matters And then He said And may He cut you off from everything that cuts you off from Him And may He connect you to everything that connects you to Him And may He make And, and may Allah make your sufficiency um, Your sufficiency Uh, From him in your heart Like, you know, give you sufficiency in your heart Because of him, subhanahu wa ta'ala And may he make you busy with him Rather than anything other than him And may he give you adab By which you can be in his company Allah, saying May Allah give you adab, good manners By which you can be in his company And then he says And may he take from your heart Anything that is displeasing to Him And may He place in your heart Contentment with Him And then He said And may He guide you To the closest of paths That lead you to Him Let me just say I It's a beautiful Dua Mar-Sali. Can you imagine going to Junaid And asking for Dua And getting that Dua You'd be like man I'm set Next one is on time. It's very short actually. He just said, <laughs> He said the time, when it passes, it can't be regained. When it passes, it can't be regained. And there's nothing more valuable than time. There's nothing more valuable than time. Uh, some of the early Muslims, Hassan al-Basri, he used to say, O oh, son of Adam, you are just breaths. You are just breaths Some of the scholars, they said actually, when they talk about the lifespan, the lifespan is actually in breaths. Some people said that a long but you know, your life is like you have this many breaths. You have, you know, six hundred million, four hundred fifty-five thousand, one hundred twenty-three breaths, and then that's it. The edge of is over. Uh, but anyways, they said that your life is breaths, and it's the moments that you you have. And uh, he's saying that once it's gone, it's gone. And there's nothing more valuable than that. And um, um, the most important thing then is to consider what is the immediate responsibility? What is the immediate responsibility? What is wajib al waqt? What is the responsibility of the moment? Because there can be responsibilities that are in that particular moment. Once they're passed, you can't get them back, actually. But then there can be responsibilities that have, like, a wider window, you know? Like, for example, maybe someone wants to, the never-ending problem of studying Islam. You know, <clears throat> I don't know if the community understands the, the psychological problem of studying Islam. The psychological problem of studying Islam is that being a Talib yalm, it has its own culture. So when you go into the world of like being a Talib like really trying to study Islam It has its own culture It has its own etiquettes so It has its own everything And one of the big parts of it is that It doesn't ever end <laughs> So it's kind of like a difficult thing to start Because really you're starting something that never ends And then if you, especially for people who like Have the opportunity and blessing to be full-time students Like Alhamdulillah we had It really kind of messes you up in a sense for life You know like Alhamdulillah it's a beautiful thing and it's a great opportunity And stuff but like when you have Several years of your life where You can just study for like 8-10 hours a day and you don't have anything else to worry about And then you come back And you know That your studies just started Like you only finished 6 or 7 Years of it and it's not That much like there's a lot more To do and now you just can't do it. <laughs> because, you know, you have work, and you have family, and you have kids, and you have this, and you have that, and, like, whatever else you have, you have respons- you have the responsibilities of the moment, right? But the psychology of it sometimes is very difficult. Like, you know, you're accustomed to, you have this madness, in a sense, like, okay, if I don't read a certain amount, and it becomes, like, its own uh, distraction in some ways. You know, it can actually, it can become its own distraction. So, uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, other than to say that we have obligations sometimes in the moment that are more important. This is what I was getting at. So like someone with my uh, problem, that for example, like I, I think I can legitimately say that I lived the last 10 years of my life lamenting almost every day that I need to study more. <laughs> like it's, it's a daily thing. Like, oh my God, I didn't study today. I only did one hour today. I only did two hours today. Like how am I gonna, there's so many things that need to get done still. How am I gonna do these things? like every day it's eating at you right but it may not necessarily be wajib al-waqt you understand what I'm saying wajib al-waqt is the immediate obligation so I could be like you know what I really just I have to study more and I'm just going to neglect my kids and that would be wrong actually even though you're doing something that's theoretically good right like you're studying I don't know maybe I'm like memorizing the Quran but I'm memorizing the Qur'an at the cost of my children having time with me in their formative years It's not wajib in waqt I'm memorizing Qur'an or I'm reading this extra thing when there's a, t- there's a message sitting in my messages from somebody who needs help with XYZ and they need like a half an hour so we can talk about it and we can deal with the situation try to give them some advice and whatever but no, I just want to sit for half an hour and read something it's like pretty similar to probably something that I've read before, but I like it. You know. <laughs> so which one's wajib and waqt Wajib and Waqt is answer the message, right? It's very difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult. <laughs> but my point in this is to say that the way to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is to focus on the obligation of the moment. It's not to focus on like these fantasy things and these fairy tale things and so on and so forth. I want to do this thing and I want to do that thing. Of course, we always have endless aspirations. And, uh, but those aspirations might not be what we need to focus on, right at that time. you know. And if we take what we're supposed to focus on right at that time, and we focus on that thing, and we make the intention of loving the people and serving the people and helping and so on and so forth, then we'll get through that more than we would have got through what we planned. You know? So, and, and those moments, if we miss them, they don't come back. You know? <laughs> Allah forgive us. Another one is about lowering the gaze. Lowering the gaze, right? Like not looking at things you're not supposed to look at. Very relevant. He said, Junaid was asked what can I do that will help me in lowering my gaze? He said, He said, He said, manzuri He said, what's going to help you? You know? He said, the thing that's going to help you is this. That you know that the glance of the one who sees all things comes to you faster than your glance at the thing that you're looking at. Understand his response? (laughs) Like, no, whatever it is that you're looking at, Allah sees you before that. Allah sees you before that. It's a pretty good one. The next one they gave it the title of Tawteen and Nafs al Makroon, which means to accustom the self to that which it dislikes. Accustom the self to that which it dislikes. So he said, He uh, said, It's a pretty extreme stance. Uh, You know, don't don't get overwhelmed by it. It's a pretty extreme stance. He said, He said, I'm not affected by anything that happens to me in this life because I established for myself a principle. I established for myself a principle. He said, that principle is that this abode is the abode of worry and anxiety and difficulty and trial. I accepted this. He said, and everything that happens in this life is difficulty. He said, uh, وَمِنْ حُكْمِهِ أَنْ بِكُلِّ مَا And from what I expect from this life is that it will face me with everything that I dislike. <laughs> He says So when it when I face in this life That which I like Then alhamdulillah it's a blessing And I take it And otherwise And if I see anything else Then it's what I expected anyways It's a very like, Difficult thing right Very difficult thing There's multiple approaches in Islamic spirituality To this question by the way So don't like uh, Just take it and listen And inshallah benefit Know that there's Not necessarily like the only approach. One of the um, early kind of like self-help books, forget what I think it's called, "The Road Less Traveled." Anyone read it? It's not early, like before this stuff became popular. The opening line of the book is, "Life is hard." It's either life is hard or life is difficult, something like that. And then the whole book starts. (laughs) And he basically says, like, if you accept this principle as the opening point everything else becomes easier afterwards. But if you refuse to accept that principle in the beginning, then it becomes hard afterwards. You can't really, like, handle everything else. So he's saying, I just made a principle. My principle for me is, everything that I face in this life is going to be difficult. One of the brothers when we were in Egypt, he had this proverb. (laughs) I hope none of the Egyptians get offended. His proverb for living in Cairo was, just always be pessimistic. And his point was like, if you think that things are going to go, you like, if, if someone lives in Cairo, you understand. Like, if you leave the house and you think it's going to go the way that you want, you expect it to go, it just doesn't do that. Like, it's very rare. It's very rare you leave the house and you say, it's going to go this way, and it just goes that way. Always there's something that happens. So he's like, you just, I'm just going to make. It's not that I don't like the place. It's not that I don't like the people or anything. I'm just going to say, you know what. I'm not expecting anything from this. And then if I get something good, I like it. Someone could look at this and be like, well, this is going to make people like not be joyous. They're not going to be happy. They're going to be really depressed. Stuff like that. Possibly. It's an approach that might work with certain personalities and certain character types and stuff like that. It might not work with others. So, you know, if, if you think that that doesn't work for you, Alhamdulillah. You know, it's, not, it's not everything. All right. Next one he says regarding how to attain knowledge He said It's an amazing statement He said the beginning of knowledge is from the people of knowledge And the middle of knowledge is the fruit of good deeds, good action." And the end of knowledge is from Allah. Okay, so this is the beginning of knowledge is from people of knowledge. The middle of it is the fruit of good actions. And the end of it is from Allah. What is he, what is he saying? I think in order to understand this, we have to realize that what is the point of knowledge? All right. the point of knowledge is that it is supposed to facilitate and enable us to come closer to Allah that's the point all of it right all of the aqidah all of the fiqh all of the spirituality all of the history all of the sirah, all of the hadith all of it the whole point of it is how do i come closer in my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's the point of it so he's saying the beginning of it is you take it from the people of knowledge and this it seems like something very simple and yet it is really profound because uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say that a lot of Muslims don't take their knowledge from people of knowledge. They take their knowledge from like whatever they feel is right or something that they heard somewhere, you know, or some show that they watched or some book that they read or whatever else. And it could be right or it could not be right. And even if it's right, it might not be put in the right place. Okay? This is, so what happens when you take knowledge from people of knowledge is that the knowledge you get is sound, hopefully, and they help you to put it in the right place. Which is, you know, it sounds a lot easier than it actually is. And believe me, like as someone who spends a lot of time talking to the Muslim community about questions that they have and issues that they're going through and stuff, putting it in the right place is a lot harder than it sounds. You know, Sometimes we have ideas, they're not necessarily in the right place. So the first part of it is just get the right knowledge. Okay. But again, that knowledge, the point of it is to come closer to Allah. It's not just to like check something off. So this is the second second layer, the middle of it is the fruit of good deeds. So how do I take this knowledge? I have the knowledge and I have the goal. I have the knowledge. The goal is Allah, and I have the knowledge. How do I get from this goal? I mean from this place starting point to the goal? Because I have to do it. Right? I have to actually do it. So I have to actually try to pray. I have to actually try to focus in my prayer. I have to actually forgive people. I have to be patient with people. I have to overlook their mistakes, so on and so on. I have to do all of these things. And when I do all of those things, it starts to take me down this path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the middle of the knowledge is when you start to get like a little bit of flavor from the knowledge. When it starts to have some benefit to it, that is the consequence of doing the good deeds. Tamratul A'mal, that we actually acted upon the knowledge and the knowledge starts to show its consequences, right? But then he says what? He says, and the end of it is, comes from Allah. Because there's, there's now, like, there's a progression that happens, right? So they talk about, you know, in the spirituality, they talk about different levels of a person's relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the layers of the journey and the process that they go through and so on and so forth. And that eventually they reach a place where they are really close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that place is not reached through one's deeds That knowledge is not through one's deeds That knowledge, that last step can only be done It can only come from Allah Himself Subhanahu wa ta'ala Like no one can say, you know what What I really need to do is I'm going to follow all of the sharia I'm going to pray a thousand raka'ah extra And as soon as I hit that thousandth raka'ah This door of understanding Allah is going to be open for me that wouldn't have been opened otherwise. It doesn't work that way, right? The last, the last step of like really knowing Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala comes uh, from Him, from Himself, Subhanahu Wa Taala. Hmm. He was asked. Imam Junaid was asked about, kind of like. His way, you know. You take this way to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. What does this way look like? What do you do? He said, "Bunya amruna ala arba." He said, "This way of ours is built upon four things. This way of ours is built upon four things." لَا نتكلم إِلَّا عَنْ وجود. We don't speak unless there's a reason to speak. Okay? We don't speak unless there's a reason to speak. Second thing, وَلَا نَأَكُلُ إِلَّا عَنْ فَاقَةِ And we don't eat until we have a need to eat. And we just eat because. All right? I know it's hard. Foodie culture and everything. But we don't just eat. We, we eat when we need to eat. Not for any other reason. And then he said, وَلَا نَنَامُ إِلَّا عَنْ غلبة. And we don't sleep except when we're overcome right? Like you just can't stay awake any longer, than we sleep And then he said And we don't remain silent Except out of like a fear of Allah Like it's, it's not just a silence because You don't want to say it or you don't want to offend someone or something like that so It's out of reverence for Allah This is kind of developed later on and they say that the Spiritual path has four foundations you know That one lessens their speech and they lessen their sleep And they lessen their food And they make sure that they keep good company, essentially um, So we'll talk about that later He said about prayer, Radiallahu الله تعالى عنه لا يكونن همك في صلاتك إقامتها دون الفرح بمن لا وسيلة إليه إلا It's a beautiful statement he said, your concern in Salat should not be simply to establish it. Just that you prayed. But your concern should be to have joy and to have happiness. To be connected to the one to whom you cannot be connected to with, with anything else. Like salat is that sila. Salat is the sillah, It's the connection. So he says, your concern in Salat shouldn't be like, did I just do my prayer? Fine, you did your prayer. So your concern about prayer should be to have this happiness and joy that I am using the means to connect to Allah that He gave me to connect to Him and I'm happy about that. I know this is my this is my chance. One time someone saw him with a prayer beads in his hand. Sibha, right? You know, like, you know what I mean. Prayer beads. They saw him with prayer beads in his hand. And uh, they said to him, <laughs> they said, You with how great you are, and you still use a sibha. Right? It's interesting. Right? So they are kinda of saying like, dude, you're a Junaid. You don't need a sibha like you are dhikr. You just you don't need the Sibhad in order to make the dhikr, like your whole thing is like everything you do is dhikr, right? He said, Tariqun bihi wasaltu ila rabbi la ufariquh. He said, It's something that I use to get to my Lord, so I don't leave it. So he's he's not necessarily disagreeing with them. But he's saying, like, this is something I use to get to Allah, so I'm not gonna leave it now. Like if if, if I benefited from it, I don't leave it. There's a couple of things here First is this issue of Sibha You know With time and consideration And study and stuff like that You start to really feel like There's some weird things in our community Like the fact that someone can carry Prayer beads And someone else will look at them and think that that's weird Is really wild Like when you <laughs> Like think about how Mixed up that is you know? Like you're a people Who remember Allah That's the whole point Like the whole point of Islam Is you remember Allah And everything that you do And the Muslims Generation upon generation Upon generation Used these prayer beads And developed them And held them And carried them And wore them And did all of these different things So that they can be reminded of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala And then somehow We got to a point where If someone has it People look at them Like they're weird And I'm not talking about non muslims I'm talking about Muslims Right, forget it. If you're a non Muslim. Fine, I get it. It's weird to you, even though, maybe it's not in some cases. Like when you're in Colombia, it wasn't weird at all. It's totally normal because, like, people are Catholic. They have rosaries. You walk around the prayer beads, totally normal. But in the Muslim community, now you have this thing where, like, oh, this guy has prayer beads. Like, why is he making so much thicker? <laughs> like, have you ever thought about that? <laughs> like, it's crazy, actually, when you think about it. I have this like post-traumatic stress, you know. That like it's hidden in my pocket. Like, I don't even take it out usually. It's hidden in my pocket because like someone sees me and I'm using it. They're like, "Why is he doing that? Like, Such a weirdo, making Vicodin." It. It's very strange. Like, remember Janae is really early, saying, "I use this thing to come closer to Allah I don't leave it now. That's it. It's that simple." People are like, you don't need prayer beads to make dhikr. Of course you don't, but we could do a little case study and let's just compare, you know. And the person could do a case study for themselves actually. You don't even have to like, you know, make it about other people. Do it for yourself. Take a week or two weeks and carry around prayer beads and use them to make dhikr. I'm not talking about after Salah. It's also another weird thing we started as a community. The only dhikr we make is after Salah 33, 33, 33. La ilahe in Allah, dhikr is done No no other dhikr for the rest of the day, no other dhikr for the rest of the week It's a very strange phenomenon Um, So, but I'm talking about extra dhikr, right? So, go around for a week or two, whatever Take a week or two, take some beads with you, see how much dhikr you make Take a week or two, don't take any beads, see how much dhikr you make I would say that vast majority of cases, probably a person is going to make more dhikr when they have beads Even if they're not out, even if it's like in your pocket but every time you reach in your pocket, you feel it, you remember it, you make some victory. It's probably going to be more, right? <coughs> That's why people did it <laughs> <You know? laughs> so There's a reason for it It works <coughs> Another time he said في الأمراض والأوجاع خصال تطهير وتكفير وتذكير وتقييد He said, in sicknesses and kind of like tragedies, basically harm that comes to a person, sickness and harm that comes to a person, there's four things. There's tathir, there's takfir, and there's tadkir, and there's tafir. He says, for first, there's tathir from major sins. There's a purification from major sins. First one is purification from major sins. Second one is a overlooking of minor sins. Overlooking of minor sins. And the third one is it reminds the person of their Lord. And the fourth one is it prevents them from sin. <laughs> right? Like maybe someone is going to go out and do bad things. But now they're stuck at home sick. Stuck at home sick. So... SubhanAllah. Allah help us. I'm going to stop on I think this is the last one. Yeah, last one for the day. We might finish next time. But no class next week. For anyone who came after, no class next week. Inshallah. We? Last one, he says, Jima' Khair, kullahu fi asha'. He says, All of good is in three things. All of good is in three things. Inlam tamdi naharaka bima huwa lak, bima He said, If you're not going to spend your day doing that which you are supposed to do, at least don't do the things that are against you. Like, if you're not going to spend your day doing things that are for you, at least don't spend it doing things that are against you. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes it's like that. It's not like... Someone told me a funny story recently. It's like a big sheikh. So they were with the sheikh and they were traveling and they were doing things and they were visiting communities and doing all this stuff. The sheikh was staying with them at their place. So they go all day and they do all these things and so on and so forth. They got, they said they got back to the place And sheikh sat down on the couch, and he was like, Yalla, turn on Netflix. He was like, like, we just need to do something else, you know? Like, we just need to not... And they were like, what? And he's like, yeah, what do you think? I'm going to do this stuff with you all day, and then, like, we're going to do this all night, too? Like, like, we have a limit as human beings. We need a break, you know? Not that he's going to watch something bad, just to be clear. (laughs) He's going to go watch one of these whatever things that people watch, but... Um, the point is Sometimes like not every day You can just be full throttle every day You know, Sometimes you need a day Where you don't really do a whole lot But if you're not going to do a whole lot For yourself he says At least don't spend your day doing things against yourself right? second one he says, <clears throat> he says And if you're not going to keep the company of really good people at least don't keep the company of bad people. Again, right? So you're not gonna keep good co- good company. At least don't keep bad company. Just be by yourself. It's actually better. In most cases. Could be some cases where that's not probably good. Maybe like you know, don't want to be alone in some cases. Uh and then he said, uh <laughs> He says so, and then the last one is if you're not going to spend your wealth in that which is pleasing to Allah, then at least don't spend your wealth in that which incurs His wrath, incurs His anger. SubhanAllah. So again, it's like one of these things, you know. If you're not gonna do it in this, at least don't do that. Okay, you're not gonna give it in charity. But don't give it in like, you know, spend it on something haram or spend it on something that's not good or whatever else. and alayhi wa sallam. No one have any questions or observations, comments, clarification?